welcome to another action-packed, body-slamming episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. I'm Tommy Fierro, joined by my main man, Jumpin' Jay, who I'm going to get to in one second. Today, we are talking all about the Von Erich family, and I kept my promise. I went and saw the movie since last Thursday's episode. We're going to talk all about the movie, the family and the legacy of the Von Erichs. Jumpin' Jay, I know you're with us. I'm very excited to talk about today's episode, and I'm even more excited to bring on our special guest momentarily. Jumpin' Jay, I'll hand it over to you and let you do your thing. Hey, good morning, Tommy. Yeah, this is Jumpin' Jay. Thank you to everybody for joining us on another live episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. And I'm sure Tommy already kicked it off by saying this is a special show today. We're talking all about the Von Erich family, one of the most famous families in the history of professional wrestling. And I am thrilled, Tommy. You got us uh, a, a top-tier guest this morning. You know, I've, I've had the uh, privilege of talking to some of my wrestling idols uh, over the years, but this is a special one. I think eight-year-old Jay would definitely be pinching himself this morning because today we are joined by Scott Innes. And if you listeners aren't familiar with his name, you're certainly familiar with his body of work. He has brought life to iconic characters by lending his voice to people like Shaggy, Scooby-Doo, Yogi Bear, Fred Flintstone, Papa Smurf. The list goes on and on. He's a voice acting legend. He's a multi-award winning radio personality, and he's our guest this morning. He happened to play the ring announcer in The Iron Claw, the movie all about the Von Erichs. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Scott Innes to the show. Scott, good morning, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Like, man, guys, it's good to be on the show, right, Scoop? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank Listen, you, thank you, you, thank you. If you would have told me that I'd be sitting across the microphone from Shaggy and Scooby, I listen, I, I'm a happy man this morning. I'm going to win major points with my 10-year-old son when he gets home from school, I tell you that much. Oh, man. I was just telling Warner Brothers the other day, I said, I think I, we ought to do a, uh, a Scooby wrestling and call it the Iron Paw. <laughs> oh, I love Instead that. Of claw. The Iron Paw. But, that is uh, the yeah, idea. idea. Yeah, it's been a thank whirlwind. you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, iconic, iconic in, in, in my childhood as well. It's a, it's a pleasure and honor to talk to you. Real quick, before we jump into the conversation today, were you a wrestling fan growing up? And if so, how cool is it to be a part of the Iron Claw? Here's, here's what's funny. Um, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't stand wrestling. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys that walked around – making fun of all the people that, that went to wrestling matches. My ex-mother-in-law, God rest her soul, um, uh, Edna McCoy, in the 80s, she would load up the, the family, and uh, she would take off for the Keel Auditorium and the Checker Dome in St. Louis to see the Von Erichs and, and anything else, you know. And um, I was just like, dude, who, who? I mean, this stuff sucks. I don't, I don't know who, who can get into this stuff. And um, – and then, you know, through the years, okay, you start learning things about things. And, you know, I fell in love with the $6 million man, and I was like, wow, that's Andre the Giant. Isn't he like a wrestler? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's an actor now, too. Oh, that's cool. And then so I'd start picking up on little things. And um, and then, of course, uh, 
started meeting a lot of, uh, you know, I went to Memphis and did FM 100 and worked there for a while. And then I worked at uh, uh, the NBC affiliate, WMC. And every Saturday, uh, Jerry the King Lawler would hold wrestling. And I'd see all these people come in. And Jerry and I became friends and still to this day are really dear friends. And uh, and so I, I learned that. And then, of course, got in the Andy Kaufman thing with uh, uh, mm-hmm. with Jerry. And then so my son, you know, growing up, uh, Presley, I had, you know, Dad, you know Jerry, and he's the announcer. Can you get us backstage and, 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 and ringside? And I'd make a call to Jerry. Yeah, I got you hooked up in Baton Rouge. So I was more – I became more of a fan of the pop and circumstance of it because mm. I'm a marketer. I'm in radio. So I, if you gave me front-row tickets to go to a wrestling match, I don't care if it was, you know, whatever, okay? I didn't matter. I, I could care less. But – I did like the fact that I could sit back and I would watch and go, dude, these guys are putting on a show. I mean, these fans are eating it up. Look at the the lady that's 900 pounds in the spandex in the front. I mean, get let come on, you got to <laughs> give it up to that woman. And and so I loved more of that. You know, some people are into soap operas. I hated soap operas, hmm. but uh, I loved the fact that they made money. I mean, they were like, and so to answer your question in short, no, I hated wrestling, but. I learned to love the pop and circumstance of it, you know? I think that's a very fair answer. And I think uh, looking at your body of work, first of all, before we start taking the callers so they can talk to you live, I'm going to geek out just for a minute. From one human being to another, Scott, you have been able to do some pretty remarkable things in your career. I got to believe eight-year-old version of Scott Innes is kind of, in awe of what you've been able to do. So before we dive into your, your iron claw role, let me just ask, like, how did you get to be where you're at and doing what you're doing? Well, first of all, the good Lord, because, you know, we get nowhere in this world without the good Lord. And and I got to give the credit where that's due. Second of all, luckily there was a guy named Skip Spence, Skipper T. Uh, He's still in radio. And uh, when I was in my hometown of Popper Bluff, Missouri, I was working at a skating rink. And he came in one night, and he heard me doing my little thing at the skating rink, and he said, how would you like to come work on Sunday afternoons at the 1001 AM station, KLID, and run American Top 40 with Casey Kasem? And I was like, you know, oh, I love that show. I would love to learn to do that. So I went in and did that. And I used to make fun of it because I ran it so much for six years. I got so tired of it. And I would sit there and I would mimic it. You know, I'd be like, God, if I hear another one of those, oh, list of rights, dear Casey, moving up five notches this week. So, see, God put that in my life to open up the other door because later on I would learn that Casey Kasem did the voice of Shaggy. And so that's how I ended up perfecting because I perfected Casey Kasem's voice first and then was able to, like, take it up a notch higher and learn how to do Shaggy to a T. And then Don Messick, who did the original voice of Scooby, was a friend of mine, and he taught me, you know, the ins and outs and the, or the rut rows of the world, so to speak, to do uh, Scooby. So, you know, all these years later, you know, I'm in radio and I'm going town to town and up and down the aisle, and I end up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I did a parody on my show to the country group, had a hit at the time called Shaggin' on the Boulevard. And I called it Shaggy on the Boulevard. And it became a runaway hit locally. And a listener kept hackling me and said, man, you ought to call Hanna-Barbera and play him that. And I thought, yeah, the last thing I'm going to do is call Hanna-Barbera and get sued. So <laughs> lo and behold, it ran its course. And I thought, what the hell? I'll just call and see what they and – I, and I actually called on the day, the last day for casting of a new Scooby-Doo. 
and they were casting for Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. And Bodie Chandler, the music director, was just like, wow, man, you had those voices down to a T. Do they know that here? I said, "Uh, well, no. And he goes, I'm going to have Colette Sunderman call you back. And long story short, she did. I went through a series of three weeks of auditions. I ended up beating out Dave Coulier from Full House. Mm-hmm. And here I am. The you know, next thing I know, I'm sitting next to Mark Hamill, Adrian Barbeau, all these people in the world-famous Hanna-Barbera Studios. And i got to tell you, I still – I mean, I had to pinch myself. I'm like, what? this is a snotty-nosed kid from Popper Bluff, Missouri, dreamed one day of becoming the voice of Scooby-Doo. And by golly, I'm sitting here doing it. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it is It is so cool, uh, one, to be talking to you, but I can't imagine being in your seat in that room getting to do this and have people pay you to make these voices, but your voices are spot on. So now I have to ask, clearly you have an amazing voice, talented, radio personality, all that, but when it comes to casting the ring announcer to Iron Claw, Shaggy cannot be the first voice that pops into the head no. of the director saying, I need You're to right. get this guy. So how did right. you land that role in the movie? Well, I've always done a lot of announcing stuff, and I always mimic people. So, you know, I'm a fan of Michael Buffer, too. You know, I, I thought, what this guy's a great marketer. He took this deal, got it copyrighted, the whole thing. I said, good for him. You know, I mean, he, he found a niche and, you know, the whole let's get ready to rumble thing. So, but so I was a fan of his. And so my agent calls me, and, uh, of course, the movie was being filmed here in Baton Rouge. How lucky am I? Because, you know, a lot of big movies are filmed here in Baton Rouge. And... um studios all over the place, Celtic Media, they got it here. And uh, she calls me, she says, hey, they're looking for a ring announcer for the movie The Iron Claw. And I'm like, The Iron Claw? Uh, Isn't that the Von Erich thing? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, why don't you go and lay up, uh, I'll send you the script, the the, the sides, and you go lay down and send it to them. I said, look, you know what, I don't want to do that. I I got a lot going on today. And I said, to be honest with you, they're going to hire somebody out of L.A., I can guarantee you. They're not going to hire some ring announcer from here. I mean, I... She goes, look, you got a great voice. You ought to do it, man. She goes, you can nail this thing. And I said, so she talked me into it. I went over to a friend of mine's house who had the camera. I took the size. I walked in. And this this uh, friend of mine, Anna Watt, she's like anal, man. She's like, let's do this thing uh, this way. Let's do it this way. And she's giving me direction. I'm like, Anna, look, I'm going to do this one time, one take. They're going to know the second they hear my voice whether they're going to hire me or not. I'm telling you. I just I, – and. And it's going to be like either next or call him. And so I went in, and the sides were in like, ladies and gentlemen, from Denton, Texas, weighing in at 374 pounds, Carrie Vaughn Herrick. There, send that to him. And, dude, so she did you sure you don't want to do a second take? Nope, I'm good. So uh, before I got back to Baton Rouge, my agent called me and said, well, they want you. And I said, wow, that's great. She said, yep, they're going to be filming now in about three weeks. And she gave me the date. And it was I remember it was on a Monday, like the 7th of November. This wasn't this November. It was the November before. And I said, oops, can't do it. I've got my mom's charity. I raise a lot of money for Recycling Grace Women's Center in Missouri, and I build homes for women with addiction. And um, I said, I can't blow that off. It's it's already booked. I got big stars coming in for that, and I'm sorry. And she goes, well, I said, just call them back and see if they can push that back to Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday instead of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And she goes, Scott, they're not going to do that. This is Hollywood. I said, well, let's just see how bad they want me. She made the call, and I all expected her to call me back and go, yeah, they're going to recast it. You're, you're, you know. 
But she called me and she says, they love you that much, they're willing to push it back to Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Wow. So I was like, oh, wow, I'm on. And then I show up on set, and i got to tell you, I've met a lot of people in this business, a lot of prima donnas, too, that, that really take mm-hmm. this stuff over serious. And I met Sean Durkin, the director, and you talk about a first-class individual. This guy, you know, he's always had a love for, for wrestling, too, and he always loved the Von Erich story and the whole Kevin Von Erich Iron Claw book. And he came up to me and he said, now, look, here's the deal. Um, I don't know everything, okay? Uh, if you feel something you can bring to the character that I'm missing, please uh, bring it up. Well, I suck at memorizing lines. Um, I'm a little dyslexic. I, I tend to put words in front of words that aren't there. And uh, so I get nervous. Uh, I can do it, but it's very difficult for me. And they gave me a script, this long script. I was like, Dude, I'm supposed to read this at the microphone in the center of the stage. And I'm like, this is where I'm going to make a total ass of myself. So I'm getting to thinking, and I'm going, so Sean goes, are you good? I said, yeah. I said, you know something that you said to bring up? Um, so these announcers, I said, even Michael Buffer in today's boxing and everything, he holds a cue card because, first of all, you got to have something to do with the left hand. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you, you can't just have that way. So they put a card in there, and he kind of glances at the card away, so, you know, and he goes, I love it. There you go. Now you ain't got to memorize the lines. You can just write them on the card. I'm like, oh, I love you. That's great. So, I, and I memorized some of it, but you know, I, I kept looking, glancing over there for the for the card. And so, as the three or four or five days of me shooting went on, they kept adding lines. They're like, you know, we were going to do get somebody else to do this, but we just love how you sound, so we're just going to leave leave you in. And um, I literally throughout the whole movie, you can hear me throughout the entire movie. Everything, even on the TV when the Fritzes. Or the Von Erichs are at home and they're they're hearing another match on TV. They deepened my voice on that, and I'm playing a different announcer, like a TV announcer, kind of going. Mm. And then it's coming in a trending, barely here. You know, it's like the winner is the Nature Boy Ric Flair. So that's all me. And then they they filtered me out throughout the whole movie. You know, like uh, handing the belts into the, the ring and by unanimous knockout, it's uh, mm. you know, and still reigning heavyweight champion, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. You know, all that stuff. And so, and then of course, I have my fifteen moments, fifteen seconds where they come right to me at the center of the ring, and my face is you know fifty by fifty on the screen. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. But uh, when I saw Sean, we went to the premiere in Dallas, and I saw everybody and everything, and. You know, that's when you know when you're like, wow, this is freaking great. You know, sun setting in Dallas, and you're walking the red mm. carpet. It was actually green carpet. And uh, and there they all are, you know. And then you know, Zach Efron comes up to you and goes, dude, your voice really brought it to life in that ring. And, and uh, uh, you know, and, and so, I mean, that was just great, you know. And then, of course, Sean, I ran into Sean and gave him a hug, and he goes, hey, do you like how I sprinkled you out through all, the, whole, the whole damn movie? <laughs> I said, dude. I said, I thought I was going to have like, you know, 10 seconds. And I'm like, throughout the whole movie, he goes, oh, I know, man. He goes, it really sounded good. So, and then I made all the trailers. So every trailer, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, when they're doing that mean Tom story, you you hear me in that trailer going, nature, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Ric Flair, Kevin Von Eric, you know, so it was pretty cool, man. I mean, you know, to be a part of something that I really didn't care about, you know, years ago. And then here I am in this big, big moment of my life so uh stepping into the ring with the vine and we actually my wife and i had a 10 minute conversation with kevin von eric the real mm-hmm. kevin von eric sure and he's like dude he goes i you transformed me you know back into that ring it was like oh. when i heard that announcer so i'm How just cool like going please i i can die now i'm i'm good you know 
That is that is a fantastic story. I, I could listen to you tell that story over and over again. Uh, we're going to jump into some live callers, but before we take the first one, I have to know. I know you said you didn't grow up a wrestling fan, but I feel like when you step into a wrestling ring, you can't help yeah. but at least maybe oh hit the God. ropes, climb a turnbuckle. Did you do any of that the first time you stepped into the ring? Well, I got to tell you, you know, I, I've lost 40 pounds since I played that part. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm in a tux. They put me in a 70s tux, you know, because of the period. And I put in my old my old uh, retro glasses and all that stuff. You know, I stepped into that ring, and it's like I'm getting underneath the – you know, how wrestlers get underneath the rope, and they go in. Yeah. And I'm, I'm getting, they're handing me the microphone, and I'm standing there with that card at the center ring, and they have all the extras in there. And these extras, I have to tell you this, I've done a bunch of movies. These extras were on fire. When they said action – it transformed. You felt like you were in 1979 in one of the biggest matches in Dallas, Texas. It, I mean, these guys were on cue, dude. I'm, I'm telling you the real deal. It was going down. People were getting into this. The, I remember Sean going, dude, I mean, it's like they were rooting for the Von Ericks right there again, you know, and and I'm at the center, you know, and the, and the, the crowd's going crazy, and I'm ladies and gentlemen, you know, the, uh, and I'm going into this whole deal, and, and, the, and the camera's going around me, you know, they're panning it around me, and I'm just going, oh, my God, pinch me. So, yeah, you're, you're transformed into that moment. And, for, and, and now, I mean, you ask me, are you a wrestling fan now? Hell, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan because <laughs> I see now what the adrenaline – and, you know, I, I produce some of the biggest events in the state of Louisiana. I do Rock in the Bayou, the Cajun Country Jam. These are all like big country shows. But uh, two years ago, I decided, my son kept telling me, Dad, you've got to do a wrestling con. You've got to do a wrestling con. Mm. And I said, yeah, you know, maybe so. So I started making calls. And within six months, I put on a wrestling con that had 30,000 people show up. And I, I gave, I let them in for free, okay. And uh, they went and got their autographs. But I mean, I had Jake the Snake, Diamond Dallas Page, Sergeant Slaughter, Butterbing, Lex Luger. Um, golly, the, the list goes on and on. They were all there, you know. Uh, and and to, I had thirty of the biggest names in wrestling history, uh, the Million Dollar Man, you know. Mm. Uh, and and to see to see these people in the lines telling their stories of how these people touch their lives, you know, and how, you know, and, and it's so funny because you get a, an, an overzealous fan who's sitting there going, oh, man, I brought my mom with cancer. And, man, I'm telling you, it was the greatest moment she had in her life before she died was to see you beat, you know, the nature boy, Ric Flair. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, I put a pounding on him. I remember that. And they're just talking back and forth <laughs> like they're brothers. And it was just great. You know, people coming up to Jake the snake and they're going, where's the snake, Jake? You know, and I mean, you know, it's, it's just great, you know. Um, I'm just I'm glad to have been a small pimple on a frog's ass to get to experience <laughs> what these wrestlers have experienced all of their lives, you know. Man, that is fantastic. We're going to jump into a few calls here, Scott. Up first is a longtime listener of the show, a great friend of the show. Uh, he is a pro wrestling walking encyclopedia. He lives out in California. It's time to connect with Babyface Brian. Brian, good morning, sir. Welcome to the show. You are live with the legend, Scott Innes. Hey, it's uh, great to talk to you, Jay, Tommy, and Scott. Thanks for uh, Thank joining you. us and sharing your story on here, uh, Scott. Uh, uh, first off, I just got to say, I, I grew up watching Scooby-Doo, and I grew up uh, with the boombox, uh, recording Casey Kasem's songs and, and listening to the Top 40. So 
I'm, I was wondering if you, uh, as a kid, were watching Scooby-Doo on Saturday morning and ever had a, a dream that you'd uh, ever be in that position to, to voice Scooby and Shaggy, and if you also were uh, listening along and recording Casey Kasem before you uh, got involved with the show. Good question. So here's the deal to answer the, the, the first one last, or the, the last question first. Um, I used to record every Amo beat-up cassette, used to record every American Top 40, because that's how we all stole our songs back then. Remember, you know, you got all of them in one four-hour setting, so the Top 40. And, you know, I would always gripe and go, God, I'm trying to catch Casey not talking over the intro of that song, you know. And <laughs> yes. uh, so, you know, and you'd always it'd be like this when you're listening back to your, to your you know, your little made-up cassette. It'd be like, and here they are from uh, the men from down under, men at work with. Who can it be now? You know, so, you know, or uh, the, the dog death dedication and all that stuff. So, but uh, I was, I, I grew up in Popper Bluff, Missouri, but I spent a lot of my life in Columbia, Missouri as well. And um, I remember, um, you know, being uh, – I was born in 66, so, you know, Scooby came out in 69. And so uh, I was a huge Scooby fan. And my mom would always tell me, all right, it's time to turn it off, go to bed. Well, I would relive the episodes in my head till I fell asleep. So I would literally talk to myself as a kid. I'd be going, like, Scoob, I don't know about you, but this place is starting to give me the creeps. Yeah, me too. Like, let's get Scrappy and Velma Daphne and, like, let's go get, you know – and so my mom would always be banging on the wall, knocking on, you know. So, yes, I, I grew up doing that. And, and I was a fan of really the people doing the voices. I was one of those kids that was like more of a, and I hate to say a dweeb, a geek, but I was the kid that was like, okay, who's doing that voice? I know somebody's doing the voice of that. So I was more intrigued at, you know, the Don Messicks and the Casey Kasins of the world and the Mel Blanks. So when I got into radio in, in 1982, I wanted to start doing interviews. And so I wanted to get interviews with Mel Blank, Dawes Butler, who did, you know, Yogi Bear, and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, Don Messick would do Boo Boo. They were one of the greatest one-two punch teams in cartoon animation history. And um, so I was thinking, okay, how can I book these interviews? Well, nobody at Hanna-Barbera would ever give me the numbers to call these people. So I would call Hanna-Barbera, and I would find out who the receptionist was. And I would just call this as a just general call. You know, it's like Hanna-Barbera. Hey, uh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Who's speaking? Uh, this is Kathy. Oh, hi, Kathy. L- uh, listen, you know, oh, you know, Kathy, let me call you right back. I'm getting another call. Okay. I, now I know who's at the, the receptionist. It's Kathy. So I would wait 20, 30 minutes, and I would call back. <laughs> Hanna-Barbera. Hi, Kathy. Casey Kasem. You got Don's number there. I'm trying to uh, message. I, I, I've lost the number. Oh, yeah. Hold on, just, uh, Mr. Kasem. So she would give me Don Messick's number. And I go, while you're at it here, I know. Could could you give me Mel Blank's number as well? And she'd give me wow. his number. And I'm like, man, thank you. And so then I would call these people. And I would tell them who I was. And I would be doing the interview. And then in the middle of the interview, I would tell them how I got their number. And they would all just die laughing. They're like, dude, you got that Casey Kasem down to a T. And so to step into those voices and those paws, those are big paws to fill. I've had three goals in my life, and I want to take this second to teach every kid, every person that's listening out there. I don't care if you're a kid, if you're an adult or whatever. You can do anything in your life that you want to do. You have to set your mind to it, okay? I've had three goals in my life. These are not made-up goals. These are reality. One was to become the voice of Scooby, Scooby-Doo. I love cartoons, and I wanted to be that guy. Uh, I'm a songwriter. 
I always, my favorite uh, artist is Kenny Rogers. Always wanted to write a song for Kenny Rogers. Got to be friends with him. And I said, one day, Kenny, I'm going to write you a song. He said, well, do that and get it to me. We'll see what happens. And um, um, uh, the Kenny Rogers, what was the other one? Oh, oh God, now you got me. uh, uh, Oh, to win a CMA award from uh, the Country Music Association. I used to love to watch the awards growing up as a kid, and they would hold up those big old awards, and I'd tell my dad, man, one of these days, I'm going to win me one of them awards. Well, in 1997, I became the voice, the official voice of Scooby-Doo. My first movie came out nationwide, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. The very next night, I was on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry receiving the CMA Award for Air Personality of the Year. Two years later, I wrote Handprints on the Wall for Kenny Rogers. That was his last charting song at number 35. So I tell people, you know, set a goal and just go do it. That's all you have to do. Well, congratulations, and then I, I want to commend you on uh, being a part of this historic film. It's something where it, it the wrestling is tremendous, It's the, the presentation is tremendous, but the story told is just, it's top-notch. And, I, and I've looked, yeah. and they've, uh, they've, they've cleared, I think they're getting really close to $25 million. The budget was yeah. just, under six, just under $16 million, and apparently yeah. $20 million is the... Uh, Twenty million is a goal for R-rated movies, so they've surpassed that. They yeah. they still have to release internationally. So um, yeah, this me, thing doesn't even come out till February 9th uh, overseas. So um, this movie's going to make a lot of money, and uh, and it hasn't even gone to streaming yet. I mean, think about this: once the movie is released overseas and that gets its run, okay, it's going to they're going to have this thing's going to hit the streaming deal. And they're going to make it. I'm telling you right now, this time next year, that movie. I, I'm confident this movie is going to make fifty, sixty million, seventy million. It's going to it's going to break all records. I totally believe there's going to be a lot of Academy Award nominations in this. Mm-hmm. I think Zac Efron deserves at least a nomination for his uh, portrayal of Kevin Von Erich. It's some of his best work ever. Okay, and um, the movie is emotional. I mean, I cried at the end of the movie uh, when they played that song and he's playing with his kids. And when he made that, that, that um, you know, that touching line, they says, you know, the kid said, Dad, what, why are you crying? And he said, you know, he said, um, you know, because his dad always told him there was no crying. So he's always taught not to cry. But, you know, he just, everybody, you know, was, he just started crying, you know. And he said, I, used, I just realized I used to be a brother too. And uh, uh, what an emotional movie. I mean, dude. You know, they filmed, I was listening to Sean Durkin talk about that. They actually filmed that part of the movie early on in the movie, in the in the, in the filming. And I don't think, if, if I, I may be mistaken, but if I ain't mistaken, that was not supposed to go to the end of the movie. It was going to be put into, like, a little bit before the end of the movie. And when Sean Durkin saw that mix with the deal, he says, oh, you have to end the movie on that. That's that's the moment. That's the credits hmm. roll. That's that's the moment that sums up the emotional feeling that this movie uh, has brought forth. And so, um, my ninety one, my ninety year old mother in law went to see this movie, and it's so funny. I, I put it up on my TikTok, and I interviewed her at Christmas. I said, "Mom, what'd you think of the movie?" Oh my God, it was awful, just awful. She says the way that Von Erich treated his sons and. And she says, but I just cried throughout the whole movie. It was an emotional roller coaster for me. And I said, well, what, what did you think about my performance in the movie? And she says, well, you know, I, I couldn't hear you. I, I, didn't, I, couldn't, I didn't see you. I, I, 
I, I didn't even hear you throughout the whole movie. And of course, everybody in the living room's laughing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, that's, that's great, your mom, you know. And uh, I had to show her a picture, a screenshot of me. And she's like, oh, that was you? And I said, mom, do I look any different? Well, come on. <laughs> oh, so, man, that's great. Yeah, just the, uh, like you say, that was the perfect ending of the movie. And his boys saying, oh, we'll be your brother now. And it was just. Uh, so touching and so well done. So congratulations on being a part of history in that movie. Uh, I'll let some other callers talk to you as well. Thanks so much for uh, sharing your story. Here. Thank you, man. And, uh, and and like I say, congratulations on meeting all those goals in life. And thanks for the advice out there as well. Oh, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. God bless you. You too. Take care. All right. Thanks for connecting with us this morning, Brian. Up next on the call line is, well, we're flying from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. We're going to Boston to check in with Matt. Matt, good morning. You are live with Scott Innes. Good morning. Good morning, Scott. Pleasure to be talking with you. Morning, morning, morning. Boston, from the uh, folks up here at Boston. You know, probably got that accent wrong. Well, 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 do, well done. I mean, I mean, it's like you're a voice actor or something. Honestly, did, did, uh, they, so. did they did they really tear the Cheers building down? Someone told me that they tore the whole Cheers uh, bar down or whatever. Well, yeah. So interesting, interesting question. So, so the Cheers facade, um, what was used in the opening of every episode, is still there and intact, um, and the restaurant is still there, but it's never been. Um, the cheers that you know from the TV show. It's been right. the outside, and then the inside was just a regular restaurant. On the you know, right? Um, yeah. So there was never really a, a, a cheers restaurant that looked like what you saw in the show. Right. Um, yeah. So, so Scott, first of all, um, yeah. You know, no concern, no concern from me about you not being a wrestling fan in your youth, because honestly. Anybody who opens up an ice cream shop called Scoop and Dews is all right in my book. Yeah. So uh, that's my question for you is how did that become a thing, and, and what got you interested in, in opening that business? Uh, you know, it's funny. My grandfather, uh, when I grew up, he owned a restaurant. I always wanted to work in a restaurant, own my own restaurant. And, you know, you, you know the – uh, the timing was right. I was thick in the whole Scooby thing, and everything was going good. And I didn't want to call it Scooby-Doo's because I didn't want to hinge on, uh, even though a lot of ice cream parlors had done that across the country. But I was looking for a unique name uh, for an ice cream parlor, and I wanted something that my wife and I at the time could could just hang around and, and put all my memorabilia on the walls and let the folks enjoy it. So I remember calling uh, Dippin' Dots, and uh, they were out of, like, Illinois, and we almost signed up with them, and, and – um, they were like, I said, yeah, I can't wait to open this up. I'm going to put all my memorabilia on the walls, and I'm going to decorate. And they're like, wait, wait, what, what, what do you mean put all your memorabilia on the walls? I said, well, yeah, I'm going to put all my Scooby, you know, stories. And, oh, well, now we're going to have to get that approved, you know. You, you just can't just do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, they're going to be coming in, you know, not for your ice cream. They're going to be coming in for my, you know, autograph, my my story, my pictures, my look, my Planet Hollywood type, you know. Nah, nah. So anyway, I, I got out of that. So I decided to carry Bluebell ice cream, and um, uh, so I needed a name for my place. And so I called over to London, and I was uh, trying to find you know a, a place that carried uh, condiments to put on ice cream. And I remember the guy goes, "So what what, what kind of condiments are going to be putting on your uh, on your ice cream?" That uh, you know, I said, "What do you mean by?" Oh, he goes, "What kind of uh, what what kind of scoops?" Um, are you gonna uh, Are you gonna be doing? I said, Well, what do you mean by that? He goes, Well, you know, scoops are uh, all the uh, uh, 
uh, all the condiments and stuff. And I said, uh, God, you just gave me the name of my place, Scoop and Doos. Um, and so uh, I played off the Doos, you know, the D-O-O. And that's what I did. So I opened up five of them. And then, of course, we had the big uh, flood here in Baton Rouge, uh, you know, Katrina. And, dude, when I tell you, nobody bought an ice cream for a month and a half. So it ended up closing the doors. I went, you know, I basically closed them. I couldn't do it anymore. And that's my story there. I wish I had all the money back that I put into that. It was a great idea. It was a plan in Hollywood. You walked into them. They were incredible. Um, But, you know, everything fades and goes in time, right? You know, uh, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, Scott, you know, I just got to mention, you – you are oozing positivity, and it's it's refreshing. I, I I really love listening to your stories and your positivity. And you know, a lot of times in this world, you you don't get enough of that. So so I appreciate that. And I'll 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 end on this question and let some other callers get on. I, I'd be curious to to know in in the making of the movie, what what was one thing that you you learned, either most shocking or most surprising about the wrestling industry? Well, well, yeah. The behind the scenes is it was a lot like filming it than it is because you know a lot of it is glamour and filming and 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 scripts and stuff like that. So, but um, I, I learned that um, there's a lot of drama uh, that goes on in this stuff, and um, you know um, uh, it's something that I always thought was there, but I got to see it firsthand. You know, um, now there was no drama going on in the set, but but you know. When you're seeing, you know, I'm watching all these documentaries now on the Von Erics and, uh, you know, and I sit and talk with, I go, I was in, I was in Memphis a couple of weeks ago and I had a beer with uh, Jerry the King Lawler and we, we went out and had a beer and, you know, we're, we're just sitting there and we're, we're sharing stories and, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, like he, when he heard, when I got the part of doing the, the ring announcer, you know, he calls me up and he's so funny. He goes, all right, first of all, uh, Velma, are you serious? And because he's talking about the new Velma series. And I go, yeah, I know. He goes, dude, okay. And he goes, second of all, you freaking got the part of of the ring announcer in the Von Erich movie? How freaking cool is that? He goes, do you know now that solidifies you into the wrestling family? You are a part, you will forever now be a part of the wrestling story. Whether it, you know, and I said, God, I never really looked at it that way. He goes, oh, yeah. I mean, the announcers, he goes, that's what I'm doing now, you know? He goes, that's that's what it is, you know? And he goes, sometimes the announcer is, no, is better known than the actual star in the wrestling ring, you know? And I never really looked at it that way because I've never really looked at myself as a star. I just I look at myself as a guy that's living out his dream and having a hell of a time doing it. But um, he was right, you know? And um, I think I've had every wrestling place in the country call me now, want me to come do their ring announcing for their match or, you know, can you step in the ring, do this? And I'm like, God, I never even thought about this. Now I'm not only Scooby-Doo in the wrestling ring, I mean, you know, in the Comic-Con, but now I'm a guy that I can go to the Comic-Cons for the, for the wrestling stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, thank you, Jesus. But, uh yeah, I mean, no, I, I just I learned a lot. I learned how to, you know, I learned that there's a lot of downtime in wrestling, just like there is in filming. You know, they really actually go hand in hand. You know. Yeah, Absolutely. Scott. Thank you so much for your thank you for so much for your time. I love listening to your stories and uh, appreciate you jumping on with everybody. Hey, thank you very much, Thanks, man. Matt. Appreciate it. Hey, Scott. Before before we let you go, and, and, and again, I'm with Jay. I can I can listen to you talk and, and tell stories all day long. 
I want to ask you, getting back to the movie real quick, now that the movie's over and completed, it's in the theaters, and obviously you had an opportunity to, to watch the finished product, which Von Erich to you uh, stood out as uh, the star of that movie? Now, in real life, uh, Curry was the most popular Von Erich. However, it right. seemed like they were – Kevin was more of the star in that movie. What was your take on – the different characters, Kevin, Carrie, David, who was your personal favorite well, in the movie? I'll tell you this. You know, the story obviously is from the point of view of Kevin Von Erich, you know, and I think you got to love Kevin and his story. As far as deep into the story, I mean, Jeremy Allen White, you know, played an incredible role. And I don't know if Zach's character would have been as uh, magical if you hadn't had Jeremy Allen White playing that part, I, I, you know, um, that was that was that was pretty powerful. You know, it takes a you know the one-two punch uh, to to bring two actors together to make uh, an oh incredible moment. And you know, Jeremy just you know on the Golden Globes the other night won a huge award, you know, uh, for his work in The Bear. And you know, he is, uh, and and I'll tell you, everywhere I I would go. People would always go, I'd go, yeah, I'm hanging out with Zac Efron today. And they're like, oh, my God, you're hanging out with Jeremy Allen White, though. I mean, and I'm like, you know, so it was, uh, you know, he really brought to the table. Uh, I thought he did some real intense acting in this movie, and I thought it was really good uh, in, in his acting and whatnot. But uh, Stanley Simmons, um, what a great guy. He came up to me at the uh, premiere and gave me a hug, and he goes, dude, I loved your voice. I was just sitting back watching you. I can't believe you do Scooby-Doo. See, a lot of people don't know this, but Zac Efron did the voice of uh, Freddie in the movie Scoob, which mm-hmm. came out about two years ago during the COVID. So Zac and I already had a – we had a, you know, the seven degrees of Scooby-Doo already. So, you know, <laughs> we were we were already hitting it off and everything, and uh, – and, uh, but I, I have to tell you, the whole experience for me was just a dream come due, as I'd like to say, uh, from Sean Durkin <laughs> directing this movie, uh, from Jeremy Allen White, Zac Efron, you know, Harrison Dickerson, uh, Stanley Simmons, and uh, the Fritz, uh, forgot the guy that played Fritz von Erich, um, but uh, did an incredible, incredible job. And uh, I think uh, Sean Durkin is to be uh, commended. Yeah. He took some liberties and some stuff, but it's Hollywood, folks. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. some of it you've got to pull another trigger to get another effect. And he left out one of the Von Erics, but, you know, there was just too much. And he was right. And he and he told Kevin this. He said, listen, th- th- this movie's going to be nothing but a, a funeral. We could just film it at a funeral parlor. You know, mm. I mean, this is you, – you can't make the movie just about death, okay? You, you know, you're going to lose the audience at some point. So he took – he said, look, I'm going to take the three that this movie's focusing on, and that's the story we're going to tell. Uh, and, and I think he made the right choice uh, because not really a lot of people are, are knocking that decision. And finally, even Kevin was like, I get it. I understand. I know that some of Kevin's family is, uh, you know, well, that's not the way our father was or our grandfather was. And, but, uh, and he took a little liberty there, okay? But again, and I hate, I'm going to say it this way, you have to have – when you do a story like this, a document, there has to be a villain. You have to have a villain or you can't have the end climax, which is the, oh, my God, I love this family. You know, this Kevin guy, oh, my God, what he went through. 
So, yeah, he put a little extra on there. But you know what? I don't think he did too much. I thought it was it was really good. I mean, you could tell that the, the dad loved his kids, okay? He just was overzealous, and he wanted his kids to, to, to follow in his footprints, you know? So, um, and, and what father wouldn't? My son, uh, you know, I had a dream, and I'll, I'll end with this. My goal was to get into radio at a young age. and My, my dream job was working at KC95 in St. Louis, the, the rock of St. Louis. And I was, you know, 150 miles south in Popper Bluff, Missouri, dreaming one day I want to work at KC95. So I have a son who ends up doing all the big, big stuff, sitting in for Jim Rome on the Rome Show. He worked mm-hmm. in Houston for six years for CBS and went to work for CBS at WIP FM in Philadelphia. And he's living my dream. And then he goes to Nashville, okay, and he's working at Rock 103 in Memphis, another one of my dream jobs that I never – and then he's doing Detroit up there. And then he gets a call from a guy who says, I think you're one of the best radio announcers in the country. And it was the owner of KC95 in St. Louis. And that's where my son is doing afternoon drive right now, and he's one of the most talked-about jobs mm. in the city. He's living out my dream, and I just love that. And he's living in a city – that was big for the Von Erics. You know, uh, St. Louis mm-hmm. was one of the big mega hubs for them, and so was Dallas. My son called me the other day on the air, and he said, Dad, I got to tell you, you've been in some pretty crappy movies, but I got to tell you, this one, everybody <laughs> might just see. <laughs> that's very so. cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Listen, Scott, thank, uh, you, thank you so much for taking the opportunity uh, to join us today and, and talk a little bit about the movie, just so you know, uh, Scott, if you ever do get the itch to do a, a wrestling convention, I am the owner and promoter of the 80s Wrestling Con. And we have a huge Yeah, you were coming up, up in New week. Jersey, right? Yes, sir. So anytime you got the itch, please let us know. We'd absolutely love to have you up there. Man, that's great. How many people do you get show up at that thing up there? Oh, Jay, I don't want to. I don't want to toot my own horn, but why don't you tell him about last year's '80s wrestling con? Oh, Tommy, I wish I had the numbers memorized, but Tommy puts on a class act of a wrestling convention. I liken it to it's more of a love letter to the industry and to the fans because it's such an interactive experience. You get so many of our childhood heroes uh, into one place, and the, it's packed in there. He rents out a hockey arena, and it is packed, uh, and it's a great wow. time. And I know. People would love to absolutely love to meet you, Scott. There. Well, we may have to talk. I'll, I got your deal. I'll send you uh, uh, an email or whatever after the show. Here, we'll uh, we'll talk. I usually drive to all my cons. I'm not a big flyer. So last night at dinner, when you had sent me that, I told my wife. I said, "Hey, Google up how far it is to New Jersey from Baton Rouge." And she's like, "Uh, it's 23 hours." And I said, "I, I could do I could do that in one day." Yeah, get some snacks. <laughs> yeah, man. A little trip. Well, listen, if hey, you ever Scott. want to come up, we would absolutely love to have you. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk after the deal. Hey, listen, I want to get your audience real quick, and I want to ask your fans that listening uh, a, a favor this morning on my radio show down here. I've been trying to help a lady out that has stage four cancer, and I'm just going to tell you, she's a huge wrestling mm. fan. She loves the whole Von Erich deal. Her name's Cheryl Melton, and uh, she's fighting stage four. And I'm just going to ask your listeners in a quick deal, you know, say a prayer for this woman. But also, um, if you go to my website, which is one Scott Shop, O N E Scott Shop, 
com and click on the shop button. You'll see a picture of her, and she's wearing one of my hats, and she's a great lady and uh, fighting stage four. And if you can, uh, you know, make a little donation. We have it set up there. We're trying to raise her some money. Uh, Social Security sent her a letter the other day and said, basically, uh, we overpaid you last year in April and May, and frankly, uh, you're not going to get a check in April and May. She lives off about $900 a month. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to pay it forward, help somebody out. So I figured, you know what, I'll ask your listeners to help out too. So if they feel inclined and somebody, uh, you know, really, because when you pay it forward, you're blessed, man. I mean, what it does for your soul is just incredible. So one last time, one, well, let's do it in the announcer. Ladies and gentlemen, we're trying to help Cheryl Melton with her stage four cancer battle. If you're a Kevin Von Erich or a Von Erich fan, I challenge each and every one of you right now to get it to one Scott shop. That's one Scott shop and donate whatever you can. And now, weighing 274 pounds from Denton, Texas, give it up for Kevin, Kerry, and the Von Erich. That's fantastic, awesome. man. Thank I'm... you so much. Hey, listen, also, it's, it, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to twist your arm here, but if you decide to come up here for 80s Wrestling Con, I'm going to take a, a, a portion of the the, uh, the proceeds that come in from you and donate it to your friends. So uh, oh, anyone, out there, please, anyone out there, please uh, visit the website and help out if you can. Scott, it was amazing to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, guys. You talk to you all so much. Long. And, you know, Thank real you so quickly, much. Scooby-Doo. Scooby Doo was a big was a big. Uh, we did the uh, WWE meets uh, Scooby Doo, so we got yeah. a couple of those yes. movies out there too. So, so yes, they my boys are a big fan the of Iron Claw, the Iron Claw, and the Iron Paw. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Love All right, guys, thank you so much, man. God, and God thank love you, you God sir. bless you. And as my dear friend Casey Kasem would end always his show, he would say this. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. God bless you. Have a great day. You All too. Right, Thank bye-bye. you. Jumping, I don't know man. how you get. How cool I don't know how you get these guests, man. I don't know how you got Scooby Doo on the podcast today. That's unbelievable. <laughs> if I would have told you, if I would have told you, in on December thirty first, our two thousand. 24 bingo card that we were going to have the voice of Scooby-Doo uh, a week into the new year on 80s Wrestling, the podcast, you probably would have said you're crazy, but hey, man, it, it was really, really cool. Awesome perspective also uh, being on the inside of that movie. Now, I did have the opportunity, Jay, uh, to go see that movie from last Thursday's episode. I promised you that I would. I did. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I thought it was amazing. I thought all the actors did a fantastic job. The one that played Curry, like uh, Scott was just saying, was just absolutely incredible. They all were incredible. Uh, everyone did a great job. Did you get a chance to see the movie, Jay? Unfortunately, no. The weekend was packed, and then this week, uh, we unfortunately had a friend of ours whose mom passed. So we had the wake on Tuesday, the funeral yesterday, so none of the oh, showtimes in my right. town lined up where we could go, because my assumption is it's not something I want to take the 10-year-old boy to, is my assumption. I guess I don't know. Uh, and so I was looking for, uh, you know, showtimes during the day. And so it's still on my list uh, to see. Who did you go with and what was their impression? Well, I actually got a uh, copy sent to me uh, digitally. So I watched it on my computer. So uh, I was able who do to. You know uh, that's, who do you know that snuck in the video camera into the theater? Shady hey, listen, stuff in buddy, New yeah. Jersey. 
Take listen. Take it easy. You get, it's, it's good to know people in high places. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't no doubt, right? Dig down deep. I didn't want to dig yeah. down deep for the twelve dollars and go in now. It, it was just <laughs> the times that the times that the movie was showing. I'm the only one yeah. who works the store, so a, a lot of the times uh, I was at the store. So, and then on the weekend, the same thing. I'm at the store, so I was lucky enough uh, that someone that had a advanced copy of it uh, that actually works in the entertainment industry. Uh, they they sent it to me, so I was able to watch it, and I absolutely loved it. It was awesome. Did your wife watch it with you? No, no, no. I watched it at the store, so I was at the store and I watched. Okay. It, so, yeah, but uh, I, I loved it, man. I thought it was fantastic. I, I the the one thing is again, it was in it was in Kevin's perspective. Uh, sure. And, and the the one thing that I thought was just a little different than in real life was again, it seemed as though Kevin was the big star of the family in my, in my opinion, in the movie. Um, but it was incredible. Uh, I, I thought all the actors were incredible. Uh, the story was really, really, really well told. And uh, I, I think it's gonna, I think it's going to lead to opportunities. This is the exciting part. You can feel the wrestling business uh, starting to, to, to ramp up a little bit, in my opinion, like you, you feel it's possible that there's another boom period ahead of us. You know, WWE is doing record business right now, right? There is a movie about professional wrestling that's red hot in the movie theaters right now, The Iron Claw. And I think that that's going to lead to more opportunities for wrestling-related movies in the future, whether it be the Von Erich family, I mean, I'm excuse me, whether it be uh, the Hart family, or whether it be the Guerrero family, or there's just so many different stories. You know, the life story of Hulk Hogan, like there's so many different possibilities now that uh, Hollywood and people see that a wrestling movie could and is successful. I think it's going to lead to a ton and open up a ton, a ton of different opportunities uh, for our industry in the upcoming years. I think it's a really, really, really positive thing. What do you think? Well, I know that one of the, the criticisms that Hollywood sometimes receives these days is that, all they do is revamp old movies and they re recast them and they bring them like they're new again, because it's hard to find new intriguing stories to tell people to make movies about. So they end up going back and saying, well, this movie was successful 20 years ago. Let's just remake it. Pro wrestling is full of those stories, man, that are designed to capture an audience and hold their attention. And sometimes the truth, is stranger than the fiction we see on TV. And so, yeah, when you dig deep into the human story behind the characters that uh, a good portion of the audience is already familiar with, a lot of people that are going to this movie are already familiar with the Von Erics, at least one of them. And so they're going to go see the movie, but they're going to bring other people with them. And they're going to see this human story told that, you know, captures the essence of life and isn't just about what we see on the screen. And so I think you're right. I think there's tons of these types of stories that could be brought to the big screen that A, would be good for Hollywood, but B, would just be good movies that people feel like they're worth putting down their hard-earned dollar to go see. And so I hope you're right. I hope the success of this movie kind of starts a trend where um, other people's stories from behind the camera get told. The Hearts would be a great one. That has triumph. That has tragedy. Um, the Guerreros, like you mentioned, would be another phenomenal one. Um, 
emotional, intriguing. There's so many good stories that you could bring to the screen, Tommy. So I hope you're right. I hope that uh, we see more of these. Yeah, and I hope they're done at a similar high level, um, that they're not just rushed out just to try to capitalize on it, because sometimes Hollywood does that, too. Hey, and by the way, if you notice, Scott, when we had him on, he, he – uh, he slipped back the uh, the curtain a little bit. He mentioned that I had already talked to him about 80s wrestling comedy. Man, how awesome would that be? Like, I mean, he and Scooby-Doo, a gigantic character from the 80s, and with his connection now with the Iron Claw, I think it would be fascinating to have him at 80s wrestling comedy this year. Man, I'm going to try really hard to make that happen. Dude, man, he could have a, he could have a booth so that people could meet him during the con. And then if he's the special ring announcer for one of your matches at an ISPW show following it, I mean, I think it's a, if he's, if he's, if you can get him there, I think it's a no brainer. I think people would love uh, to meet him. We have a couple guys holding on uh, the line. So we'll bring them on next. Tommy, unfortunately we already let Scott Innes go. So they won't be able to talk to Scooby-Doo unless you can do a Scooby impression, Tommy. Uh, but we'll bring in Danny from Butler. Danny, good morning, brother. How are you doing today? Hey, Tommy, Jumpin' Jay, uh, always a pleasure. I'm not going to be doing any Scooby-Doo impersonations. <laughs> not, uh, not in my wheelhouse, I'll let you know that. Uh, I, 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 wa- I wanted to call in early. Unfortunately, I got caught up uh, with some stuff uh, that I, you know, I had to take care of. But, uh, you know, you, you had a tremendous topic. Uh, um, I don't know what, really went, what was really talked about uh, earlier before I was able to get on. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that this episode is, you know, just about the Von Erics. You had the, the ring announcer for the movie, um, tremendous movie that I definitely want to watch. Obviously, uh, I, I have to watch this on my own. I don't think, it, you know, I asked, I asked your opinion. If it was something I Lucas could watch, you hold off. I, I kind of agree, you know, looking at, you know, looking at the whole picture in total about the whole life. But, uh, you know, you look at uh, the Von Erics and, you know, growing up, the only – Thing I knew about them was what I saw on the the magazines. Obviously, it wasn't on WWF. You have to you know look at the Pro Wrestling Insider, um, you know the all you know Wrestling Illustrated, you know all those other magazines, and you would see you know I would always see Kevin, and I mean I, I obviously Carrie too. Carrie, you know, just had the it factor. You know, he looked like a Greek god. The long hair, the body. You, you you knew that he was a star, even though I was able, never able to see him because, you know, I wasn't watching uh, world-class championship wrestling. We didn't get that um, over here. Um, but, you know, when he got to the WWF, he saw, you know, how good he was, how special he was, and, you know, whatever, <clears throat> you take away whatever personal stuff that, that was going on with him, uh, you, you, you had a, 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 once, a generational talent when it came to, you know, Carrie and then, you know, the rest of that family, you know, you know, Kevin, who's the only one that's still around, you know, a, a, a very, you know, a very tragic story, but, you know, you look at, you know, those are, those, that family was definitely uh, trailblazers for the professional wrestling business. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very sad to know, you know, the, what happened to a lot of these guys, you know, I think they were, you know, they were pushed, to be the best, and sometimes, you know, getting pushed like that, you know, it, this is what, you know, unfortunately leads to. But, you know, it was like, it was definitely fun watching Carrie 
growing up, you know, as his run with the Texas Tornado, you know, again, you know, his work with uh, Mr. Perfect, I, I wish they probably would have, you know, pushed him along a little bit more. I don't know for whatever reasons, if it was personal or, you know, his uh, whatever backstage stuff happened. But it was, uh, you know, you, I was glad that I actually got to see one of the Von Erics actually perform. So uh, I'm going to leave it like that. I don't know if you have any other callers, but, you know, it was a, Definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the the movie, and I, I know that you've watched it, Tommy. Is this uh, movie, is this coming from Kevin's firsthand uh, experience? Is this, I'm assuming he had a lot of input into this. Tommy, are you there? Hello. Tommy must be I'm working. I'm so sorry. I, 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 no, no, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. Can you just tell me that? The the kill end real quick again. No, I was wondering, like, as far as with you watching the movie, uh, this movie, this is pretty much is this uh, Kevin's firsthand, uh, uh, you know, his his input on this of what actually happened. Did he have any input into this movie? Yeah, well, <clears throat> sorry about that, uh, Jay. You called me red-handed, sending out an email. No worries, man. He's wrestling con. Um, yeah, so he actually mentioned earlier in the episode that uh, I believe the story to a certain extent was told from Kevin's point of view since he is the only living in, in live, you know, one that's alive from, from that era. Um, so, yeah, I think that he definitely had an influence on, on the movie. I actually had the opportunity, I don't think I mentioned this, Jay, I actually had Kevin Monarch at a convention back in 2003. And at the time, he had done things in a really, really long time. So uh, I, I had him back. He was a pleasure to, to work with and deal with. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that he definitely had a, a lot of say uh, in that movie, and, and rightfully so. Danny, thank you for joining us this morning and weighing in, brother. All right, always a pleasure, man. I wish I would have called in a little earlier, but unfortunately I wasn't uh, able to. But uh, you guys uh, – have a tremendous weekend. I uh, look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Sounds good. Thank, Thank you, you so man. much, Danny. Hey, Tommy, hold, we got hold, time. Hold on, hold on. What? What's up? Are you still on, Danny, or no? No, Danny's gone. Uh, I was going to let him pick the topic for next week's episode. We'll, we'll, well, we'll listen, listen brother, the, the production team has been hard at work here. I've been getting show topics texted in uh, for the last week and a half, and so we have no shortage on topics, my friend. I'll well, pick give, one and I'll, and I'll send topics. it over to you. Okay, let's take let's take the last caller and while he's on talking uh, to you about the Von Erics, uh, I'll I'll scroll through the text and I'll give you some options and you can pick one. Up Absolutely. next, joining us on a very special Von Eric episode. It's time for Total with Tom. Tom, good morning. We're discussing the Von Erics. Oh, you have to excuse me, guys. I'm really excited to be on the phone with Scott Innes. Scott, I, I, I've been a fan all my life, and, and, I, and I just want to know, uh, is there anything that you could – you probably don't know who I am. All right, I, I'm total with Tom. I, I, I hosted this show. It was the highest-rated show in history, and, and, and then they screwed me the next two weeks. What advice can you get me into Hollywood? Is there any way, Scott, that I can get into Hollywood? Can you help me, please? Yeah, the advice I would give you is call back at 10 a.m. Eastern time next week, pal. Scott? <laughs> you missed some Toto with Tom. Sorry, buddy. 
this is this is this is not this is terrible for Tom. This is terrible for Tom. <laughs> oh, Tom! Tom just dropped his call. <laughs> what happened there, Tommy? I muted my microphone he so might, I could he, scroll through he my text. He, he must be smoking some of his buddy stuff. He thought Anyhow, Scott Innes. Uh, was, he thought Scott Innes was still on the line, huh? I guess. I guess so. But uh, I was extremely happy he was on the line today. A lot of awesome insight uh, from a legendary voice from our childhood and also a part of the awesome movie, The Iron Claw, still in theaters, everyone. So definitely head out and check it out. Tickets are on sale now for 80s Wrestling Con on Saturday, May the 4th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. Headlined by a Four Horsemen reunion, Harry Wyndham, Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, Arn Anderson, and Baby Doll, Jake the Snake Roberts will be in the house, and tons more. You can head over to 80swrestlingcon.com now and purchase your tickets. Tickets are moving fast for the Four Horsemen VIP experience, where you get a picture with all the members. Of the four horsemen that are going to be there, along with autographed pictures as well. Only a hundred of those are being sold, so definitely grab yours today if you're heading out to 80s Wrestling Con. Again, it's 80swrestlingcon.com. Jay, we have a huge event we're also working on for this summer: 90s Wrestling Con in Atlantic City this summer from July the 12th to July 14th. We are going to have. Uh, Breakfast with the wrestlers, lunch with the wrestlers, dinner with the wrestlers. There's going to be one-man shows, Q&As. ISPW is going to be live there. We're going to be at, there's going to be an after party. And uh, yesterday I announced the first guest uh, for this will be Eric Bischoff. We're going to be adding a ton of more names. Again, this is 90s Wrestling Con this summer, July 12th to the 14th in Atlantic City. Masters of Your Memories returns to Rockaway Town Square Mall in Rockaway, New Jersey on Saturday, March the 30th. Already signs up in Jay is Laser and Storm from the American Gladiators. They're going to be there along with New York Giant Super Bowl champion Joe Morris and to celebrate the 25th anniversary of my favorite TV show of all time, The Sopranos. Janice Soprano will be at Masters of Your Memories. We're working on more guests right now. Again, this is taking place on Saturday, March the 30th. Head over to mastersofyourmemories.com in the upcoming weeks for more names to be announced and dropped. I got a ton of stuff I'm working on, Jumpy J, so I got to open the doors of the Rock and Wrestling Collector located at 2772 State Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. Right now, I see someone actually standing out there wearing a Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff sweatshirt. <laughs> Looks pretty damn cool. I'm going to open the doors. Jay, I hope you have – oh, before before I leave, what are the topics I can pick from next week? Hold on All one right, second. Just a... One second, buddy. One, one sec. Sorry, just let them know. Be one sec. Go ahead. Yeah, you just let them know. All right, here, here are some of the options that came through the text line. We could talk about the very first Royal Rumble. We could talk about, you know, it's the 40th yeah. year anniversary yeah, of Hulk yeah, Hogan yeah, winning. Yeah. What? No, stop the list. Oh, first whoa, Royal Rumble whoa, whoa, next whoa, whoa, whoa. week. No, 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 no. What was the second one? 
The second one was we we're going to be celebrating the 40th anniversary of Hulk Hogan's uh, title win coming up. So maybe we talk about Hogan's that's, title win. That's the topic right there. All right. So next that's week. The topic. Hey, listen, man, I absolutely love it. That's what we'll do next week. Absolutely. And maybe the following week we could do the Royal Rumble one, the first ever Royal Rumble. Why not? Let's just keep the – we'll just okay. roll down this list. But next week we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of Hulk Hogan's. WWF World Heavyweight Right here on 80s Wrestling Cast.